Aren't you glad that God giveth more grace? <laughs> one of my, it's one of my favorite verses. Uh, many years ago, I, uh, well, the Lord was speaking to my heart about something, and uh, and I needed to hear from the Lord, and I was, I was, I said, Lord, I don't understand how you can forgive me. Lord, I don't understand how you can you can use me. And I opened my Bible, and I, now I, I don't encourage people to do this, where you just open your Bible and stick your fingers on a verse and try to get the Word of God from that. Uh, all the Scripture is good. Uh, it's all good for understanding. But that day, the Lord, the Lord allowed me to open the Bible to, to the book of James, and my eyes fell upon the verse that says, But God giveth more grace. And uh, that was all I needed. I praise the Lord for that. Uh, for God's grace. Uh, this morning we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter uh, 2, uh, looking at our texts, verses 1 through 4. I, it, it, we've talked about this, or I preached a message on the power of intercessory prayer um, uh, uh, several weeks, uh, a few weeks ago, maybe a month or two ago. Uh, but uh, actually, hey Ezra, in my office on the, uh, on the uh, little shelf there, underneath the bookshelf, uh, the, where the chairs are, there's a box with some cards in it. Can you go get that for me? Uh, but Lord laid this message and a new ministry on our on on our heart, a, a ministry of prayer, or on my heart, and it's getting ready, or it has already started. But uh, I wanted to share that with you at the end of this. So we'll be looking at uh, at the ministry of intercessory prayer and just how important it is. Uh, the truth is, uh, there is. you look through scripture and, and you look through history, uh, there has been no great man of God unless he's a man of prayer. Or woman of God, for that matter. Uh, men of God and women of God are, have been people of prayer. Now, not every place in scripture, every person in scripture, uh, it talks of their prayer life. Uh, but as we go back through, we can start very all the way back to, to Abraham. Abraham was a man of prayer. I remember, if you, if you remember, Abraham had two sons. One was the promised son, and the other was Ishmael. Uh, Ishmael wasn't the promised son, and, 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 and Abraham asked God, he interceded on his son's behalf, Ishmael, that he might, that he might be blessed before God. Later on, uh, he interceded for Lot. If you remember, uh, on the, the plains of Mamre, as, as God was sending the, 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 the sending, going to send the, the angels there to, to, to destroy uh, the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, Abraham stood in the, on those plains uh, and he interceded on, on, on the behalf of Lot. He, he said, what if there be 50? Peradventure, if there be 30, 40, 35, 30. What was he doing? He was interceding. Uh, an intercede, one who intercedes is one who is a go-between, uh, and they, they, they intercede on the behalf uh, of somebody else. They're not going for their own needs, their own desires. Uh, if you look in the book of, uh, the book of Job, uh, in Job, in verse 42, or chapter 42, we, we, if we've read the whole book, we understand that Job has had a rough time of it. We we use Job as a as a, as an illustration or as a as a as a learning uh, way for us to learn uh, uh, just uh, just how how God brings us through those things. At the very end of the of the of the book of Job, Job has lost all of his money. He's lost most of his family. His wife told him to curse God and die. His friends came and they blamed him for all of his problems. Even though the Bible says that God always referred to Job as upright, Job as upright and righteous. In chapter 40, 41, 40, 41, 42, God is speaking to Job, and Job finally comes to a place where he acknowledges that he is a sinful person in chapter 42, the verses, first couple of verses. And, and, he, and, and, God, uh, and he acknowledges that God's ways are higher than his ways. Uh, the Satan has, is defeated in that instance because Satan has done all that he could to try to get Job to curse God, and in the end, that doesn't happen. And what happens in verse 10? It says that God turned the captivity of Job. But the last half of the verse is important. When he prayed for his friends. Not when he prayed for himself. He had spent an entire book talking to God about his own situation. He didn't blame God, but he had some questions. But at the end of it, he interceded on behalf of his friends because God was going to judge his friends because of their wickedness and their sinfulness. In, 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 uh, in uh, the book of 
in the book of First uh, uh, Kings or in the book of Kings, uh, Solomon intercedes on the behalf of the people with the dedication of the temple. Uh, uh, later on. Uh, uh, in Chronicles, Hezekiah intercedes on the behalf of the nation of Israel when, when, uh, when they have been threatened by a wicked king who's going to, who is, who's swallowed up uh, and destroyed every other army. They're coming there and they've made the threats trying to get the people to turn around. And the Bible says that they gave a letter and Hezekiah took that letter and he saw all the threats that had been given. He laid them out on the, on the altar and says, Lord, you see the threats that have been made. And he asked God, he intercedes, not just on his behalf, but on the behalf of others. Paul intercedes for the churches. Every time he writes, he's praying always for you all. He, in Colossians, he talks about how he prayed for the spiritual welfare and the spiritual benefit. More importantly than, than all of those illustrations are, are, are combined is the fact that Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed for his disciples. He, he prayed that God would keep them from evil in John chapter 17. And I love the, the verse that says, And I pray not for these only, but for all those that will believe and have not seen. Do you know who he was talking about? You and me. Jesus prayed for you and me. And, and he continues to pray. He is, the Bible says that there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. His, his, when he died on the cross and finished that work and rose from the grave, the Bible says he now sits in the right hand of the Father. And you know what his job is now? He's not just waiting until he comes back. He intercedes for you and me. There is a great evidence uh, in history that there is a need for intercessory prayer. A lot of what we do at church, a lot of what we do in ministry is visible to the world, right? We're here today. We're worshiping. We're, we're, uh, we're helping one another. Uh, when somebody, when my wife got hurt, people ministered to our family through, through making meals and, and watching our kids and doing things uh, for, for us. And, and there, there is ministry at the nursing home when, when, when folks go and uh, when, the, when those that go to the nursing home, uh, praise the Lord for them, they go and they minister to those people that, that cannot get out and come to church. Uh, we have people that pick up folks and bring them to church. We, we have a food bank that helps, uh, that helps uh, provide food for those. Well, there, there's much that's done that's visible. The, the, the Sunday school classes, the, uh, the, the, study, the Bible studies, all that stuff is, is visible. But the greatest work of the church is not what we do that's visible. The greatest work that we do and what powers the visible work is what's done in secret. What's done in quiet. It's what's done in prayer. God wants us not to be just involved in those physical things. We should be. We are the church. We're to exhort one another. It means to encourage. We're to build up one another. We are to, to, to bear one another's burdens, uh, uh, come alongside and help. We are to, to bless and serve and do all of those things. But we're also to pray. The more we look at, at the ungodliness in our nation and how terrible things have gotten and will continue to get, we need to pray. You can vote, and I hope you do. Be a good citizen. A, a friend of ours, uh, my wife and ours, uh, she's running for she's running for uh, to be on the school board, uh, and, and so 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 she's doing something, and those things are good. But the best thing that you and I can do, yes, be involved, yes, help, yes, serve, even run for office if that's what the Lord wants you to do. And God said, "Let there be light." <laughs> those things are those things are all important. But those things are all powerless without prayer. See, we can accomplish certain things. We can do certain things. But the truth is, we can't do anything without God giving us the grace and the strength to do it. Now, God gives us strength. Uh, you're up this morning. You're out of your beds and you're, you're breathing. God, you didn't do that on your own. You said, yes, I did. How? Without God giving you the ability to get up, you wouldn't be here today. 
God gave you that grace. Uh, we minister, we, we help, we do things. But listen, the power doesn't come from us doing those things. The power to accomplish God's work comes through prayer. The more we see the, the ungodliness of the modern world, the more we should pray. The more that we see the powerlessness in the church and in Christian lives. T- today, uh, we look back at, I look back at the, the book of Acts and the power that they had in the book of Acts. And then I look at the modern American church today and I see the weakness and, and the fear uh, in, in the hearts of, of, of God's people. There's a, you know where that comes from? A lack of prayer. The more we do visibly, the more we should pray. As we look at this, this, this chapter, chapter 2, verse, verses 1 through 4, uh, we're going to see uh, here the ministry and the elements that are taught uh, about prayer. And the, 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 the very idea of this is all summed up. The reason for this, the purpose for this, is summed up in verse 4. It says, Who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth? God's purpose isn't so that so-and-so can be healed. Now, we're to pray for healing. James tells us to pray for those that are sick. But, and, and we are to do that. Did Jesus heal while he was on this earth? He healed everyone that came to him for healing. But was that his purpose while he was here? His purpose was to come to seek and to save that which was lost. Well, we're to do things and minister to people's needs and do all those things. And sometimes, before you can minister to somebody's spiritual needs, you need to minister to their physical needs. If you have somebody that's literally dying from starvation, you need to give them something to eat before you tell them about Jesus' love. But by doing that, they then see the love of Christ. But there will be no effect in their heart unless that's powered by prayer. First, we see the command for us to, to pray in intercessory prayer. It says, I exhort, therefore, that, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions be made for all men. That word exhort means I encourage you. It's, it's this idea of encouragement or comfort. Uh, we're, we're, he's, he's trying, now, now we, 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 we misunderstand the word comfort. I mean, it has, has a meaning that we understand today where somebody is sad and we're consoling them, and that is the comforter. But, but it's funny, there is a, I, I've seen this, this picture, it's, it's up in a museum, and it's, it's of a battle scene, and the, the general is riding back and forth uh, in this battle scene with uh, prodding his sol- soldiers with the sword, urging them on. And it says, the comfort of, and I don't remember the name of the general. It doesn't mean just to I know you're having a rough time. Here, let me wrap my arms around you and give you a hug and make you feel better. It's to encourage you to do more. It's to encourage you to, 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 to move forward. And here he says, I exhort, therefore. This passage, Paul comes beside Timothy and he's encouraging him to pray for the people, to intercede uh, for, for those that God has called him to minister uh, so, that, so, that they, so that they are able to understand, uh, that, or he's able to understand that there is real work in prayer. Prayer isn't just a list of names that you read down through. Now, there's nothing wrong with prayer lists. But real, the real spiritual work that we need, uh, that, that God's calling us to, is work spent. It's this idea of wrestling with a problem. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, uh, uh, God, Paul tells, uh, tells the church uh, there in, in Ephesus that, that God has given us all of these, the this, this spiritual armor, the helmet of salvation, the, the sword of the spirit, the, the breastplate of righteousness, the, 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 the feet shot, the preparation of the gospel of peace, the loins girded about with truth, all of those things. But he ends it with praying always for all things that for, at, at all times. The real wrestling, the real battle is in prayer. Now, many times we pray for ourselves. <laughs> it's easy to pray for yourself when you need something. Well, you ask God for it. But intercessory prayer is not praying for ourselves. It's praying on behalf of somebody else. 
And God invites us to come to him in prayer. Luke chapter 18, verse 1, you can turn to it if you want. If you don't want to, just write it down if you don't. Uh, there's several verses that I, I won't spend the time uh, turning to, for us turning to them all. But Luke 18, 18, 1 says, And he, Jesus, spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. That parable is, is the parable of a woman who, who came to the king, uh, or to the judge, a wicked judge, uh, about her, the, the needs of her son. She wasn't asking for her own needs. She was asking for the needs of her son. And, and uh, it says that he didn't listen to her or, or, and deal with the situation because he was a good judge. He was a wicked judge. He did it because, well, she didn't stop asking. Every time he, he walked out of the door of his house, there she was. Every time he turned around, there she was. She'd say, Judge, Judge, please, help my son. It's, Jesus was teaching this, this word that's used, uh, used in Luke chapter 11. Uh, the, the same thing, same, another, another parable he teaches there. But he's, he's teaching this, this idea of importunity. We've talked about it before. It's, the, it's the, 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 the idea that the Bible says if you knock, the door shall be open. But it's not, the, not, not just that you knock once and just stand there, but you keep knocking until somebody opens the door. Have you ever knocked at the door known people were home and they, they wouldn't answer the door? It says, it says, uh, it says uh, seek and ye shall find. But the idea isn't that you look for a little bit. Uh, every, every man who stood in front of, the, of a refrigerator looking for a snack and, and uh, looking for something that his wife has asked him to get, their, uh, their wives know what importunity means. You look until you find it. But what happens to most men is they look and say, honey, it's not here. And she walks over and it's right in front of your face. I say this out of personal experience. <laughs> others, others agree. So importunity is that you keep looking, that you keep seeking, that you keep knocking, that you keep asking. Ask and it shall be given to you. Now listen, I don't want you, I don't want you to get the idea that God gets annoyed with us asking and that's why he grants our, gives us, gives us uh, the, the, the requests that we're, that we're seeking. But God desires us to continue asking. He teaches us to be importunate or to, 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 to be persistent. Ephesians chapter 6, 18, the uh, verse I mentioned earlier, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. We are to pray always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with perseverance. We're to not stop asking. We're to pray Philippians 4, 6, be careful of nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Pray. Colossians 4, 2, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. Do we, do we get the idea that God is commanding us through his word to pray? I hope so. He's, he, he, these are not suggestions. It might be good for you if. D.L. Moody says that prayer, D.L. Moody was once asked which was more important, reading the Bible or praying. And he said, he, he said, he said well, let me ask you a question. Which one's more important, breathing in or breathing out? The Christian life is, is all about our, our, our growth. It's not just about going to church. It's about a relationship with God. And if you are going to, to, to hold your breath, have you ever seen anybody do that? They pass out. You know what's funny about somebody that passes out because they're not breathing? Because, somebody, because they're holding their breath. Uh, it, you can literally cause yourself to pass out by holding your breath long enough. But you know what happens as soon as they pass out? They start breathing. Do you know why? Because it's natural for you to breathe. They, 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 they have to force themselves to stop breathing. As a child of God, it is natural. It should be natural for you to pray. Now, that doesn't mean it's always easy. Prayer isn't necessarily easy. It is work. But it's what feeds our souls. 
the, between the Word of God and, and our time of prayer. It's, it's how we grow spiritually. God has promised to hear us and to answer us. Think about this. It, prayer isn't you just talking to yourself or talking to the sky. And, and it's not just talking to, talking to the others around you here, your problem. I hope that's not how you pray. If the only time that you pray is, is publicly, that is not prayer. The only time you pray is when somebody else is around and they can hear you. What did Jesus say? The Pharisees, they go out in the corner and they pray so that others may hear. He says, you go in your closet and pray. There's nobody else in there with, that, with you in that closet but Jesus. John Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. He says, you call unto me and I will answer. Nothing bothers me more than when I call somebody and they don't pick up the phone. Actually, one thing does, when they hang up on me. That really bothers me. But and nowadays, nobody, nobody calls anybody anymore. I'm too old for that, or I guess I'm too old. Now they text. But you young people that text, have you ever texted somebody and you know they read it because it tells you they, they read it, and you might even see the little bubble pop up because they're, they're typing, and then they stop, and they don't say anything. How frustrating is that? Completely, isn't it? The, old, the older ones don't really get that because they'd rather talk on the phone. That's me. But you understand what I'm saying, right? God hears you, but he doesn't ignore you. He answers our prayers. Isaiah 65, verse 24 says, And it came to pass that... Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. Well, the, the greatest thing, one of the greatest truths I've ever learned is that before I even ask when I'm in prayer, God already knows what I'm asking. And the answer, many times in my prayers, is already in the works. It's already in the works. Uh, George Mueller uh, prayed uh, for a, uh, there was a, a large uh, amount of money he needed to pay, uh, to pay, a, uh, to pay a, a bill that he had, and, and he had no way to get it. Uh, he, was, uh, he, he, he pastored, uh, and he didn't receive a salary. He, he relied upon uh, God laying it upon the hearts uh, to, to put money in a box and, and weigh in what faith that he had to be able to say, listen, I don't want the church to pay me. Just if the Lord lays it on your heart, you put a little bit of money in that box, whatever God tells you, and then and I'll live off that. That's faith. But and God showed himself faithful in that. Later on, he not only did he pastor this church uh, that, he, that he had, but then he began to build orphanages and take care of orphans. But guess what? He didn't get money from the state. He didn't go around and say, hey, I'm taking care of all these kids and feeding these kids and clothing these kids and, and paying, the, uh, pay, uh, paying these, uh, these people that are working with these. I'm, not, I'm doing all that, so I need your money. He didn't go to any businesses. He didn't try to, have, there was no GoFundMe accounts. There was none of that. You know what, the, you know what he did? He prayed. And in the situation that I'm talking about, he prayed. And it was a, a, a month that he prayed leading up to this and, and, and asking God to do something here. And say, Lord, I, I, I know that you're the great provider. I know that, you can, that you, you've been faithful. Uh, Lord, I, I know that you'll do this. But the closer and closer it got, the, the more struggle and struggle that he had. The, the very day that it was due, uh, he, he was really struggling and praying and asking God, begging God, spent all morning in prayer, Lord, you know that I need to pay this today. If I don't, this is going to happen. Lord, please. Minutes before he had to pay the bill, the postman dropped off a letter at the orphanage where he was at. He opened the letter. It was sent from an island that took two and a half months to get to him. It was for the exact amount of money he needed to pay that bill. Before he ever asked, God provided. Because he knew there was going to be a need. And he knew what it was going to take. But he wanted him to ask. He wanted him to pray. God has promised not only to hear and to answer, but he's promised to move in power in response to those prayers of faith by his people. See, God doesn't just tell us to pray, but he tells us to pray in faith. In fact, James tells us if, if we ask anything, but we're wavering, that we will not have it. James 5.16, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. There is 
real power in prayer. Not in what we do, but in what God does. John 14, 13 and 14. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, we, we need to understand what it means to ask something in the name of Jesus. Because a lot of times we just throw that at the end of a prayer. In Jesus' name I pray. Ever done that? It does not mean adding that little caveat to the end of your sentence. What, what it does mean is this, is that if you are, are asking in the name of Christ, it's like uh, you're, you're asking something that he would approve of. If, you go, if I give you a check and I sign my name to it and you go to the bank, it's from my bank account. As long as I've got money in the bank account to, to carry, guess what they're going to do when you hand them that check? They're going to give you back the money. What you're doing is you're going to the Father with the, son, with the Son's approval. So it doesn't mean just adding that, Lord, give me a Porsche in Jesus' name. That's not going to happen. But if you ask for something that God, that Jesus has said he'll do, here in this, in this particular passage in 1 Timothy, he says we're to pray for all men, for kings and for all those that are in authority. Why? Verse 4. Verse 3, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, in Jesus' name. For he would have all men, verse 4, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. You want to pray and know that God will hear and answer? Pray for people's salvation. Now, we know that we... That man has free will and God does not force people to get saved and God does not preordain people to be saved. God in his foreknowledge who knows who will accept him. But I can guarantee you this the Holy Spirit will work on, on the behalf of the, of, of the Father if you pray. And, and, and there's a parable that, that when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, Jesus told them the parable of, of a man who goes to his neighbor's house asking for bread because some visitors came to his house and, and some friends, and he doesn't have any food to give them. And it's midnight, and he's over there knocking on that door. This is the parable about importunity. He's over there knocking on that door, not to ask for anything for himself but asking for something for his friends. It goes on to say that would, 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 a, would a, an earthly father give his son a, a rock if he's asked for an egg? Would he give him, would, would, would he give him a scorpion if he's asked for, 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 for something else that's good? Of course not. No, no father, no earthly father, well, most earthly fathers wouldn't do that. He says, how much more will our heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to, to them that ask him? Now listen, you already have the Holy Spirit, do you not? If you're saved, he indwells you. He's, he is in you. And, and yes, you can quench him. Yes you, you can, yes, you can grieve him. But he is in you. But when you're praying for the soul of a lost person, that spirit is not in them. But God may, through the Holy Spirit, work in them to draw them to salvation. John 6.44 says, No man can come unto the, unto the Father unless the Father draw him. We need to pray. Matthew 21, verse 22, In all things, whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. 1 John 5, 14, 15, And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he heareth us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we desired of him. Now listen, God doesn't give us everything that we ask for. He doesn't. He doesn't heal everybody we ask him to heal. He doesn't, he doesn't provide for every desire of our hearts. Sometimes he does provide some things that are not necessities. Sometimes he heals this one and doesn't heal that one, and we don't understand. It doesn't make sense to us. It, it doesn't make sense why, why a young child might die from, from cancer. Uh, I, I don't get that. That is, that, man, it grieves me. It makes me so sorrowful when, when I see the, those kids. I had a, a, young, a young girl, I took her, to, I, I can't say her name because, uh, but I took a young girl uh, years ago when I was working on the Amos uh, from, from Augusta down to Portland, actually no, down to Boston, uh, because uh, she was going down uh, for uh, for. Uh, cancer treatments, uh, no hair, sick, vomiting, dying of cancer. Praise the Lord, she was healed. Well, that doesn't happen all the time. 
Man, it, it makes me sad when I think of that. It does everybody. But we don't know the big picture. Our understanding is finite. I don't know why this child or that child or this person would suffer these things. And listen, sometimes it's children that are sick. Sometimes it's, it's marriages that are struggling. Sometimes it's children that walk away. I don't understand those things. But I have to come to it. Job did not understand why as a righteous man he went through all of the things that he did. But God in his great mercy and grace pulled back the curtain for us in Job chapter 1 and chapter 2 and showed that it was, that it was a battle against Satan that was fought on that day. Satan said, listen, Job wouldn't worship you if you let me touch him. And God said, okay, he's an upright man. Do what you want, just don't touch his body. At the end of that chapter, it says that Job, that he did not blame God. Chapter 2, Satan comes back and says, well, yes, he's doing, but you still won't let me touch his body. If you let me, if you let me take his health, says you can touch his body, touch his bones, but you can't take his life. Satan did everything that he could do, but he lost that battle. We can see that. Job didn't. But Job 42.10 says that the Lord turned his captivity. What captivity? God allowed Satan to have dominion in his life for a little while. Not over his soul, but allowed Satan to touch his, his life, his family, his body. And God turned it around when he prayed for his friends, when he interceded on someone else's behalf. If we have these great resources in prayer, how can we not? If you had a bank account with a million dollars, why would you live your life as a pauper? Car, driving a car that costs more money than it would take to buy, a new, to, to buy a new car. You wouldn't do it, would you? You wouldn't come to church and, and, and you, wouldn't, you wouldn't go around dressed in rags. Why? Because you could buy clothes. You, could pay your, you wouldn't have any credit card debt because you'd pay it off, right? Why do we have a God who has stores full of all that we could ever need, both physically, mentally, spiritually, and we not delve into that. It's a bank account that, that, that there is no limits to, yet we don't touch it. There is a clear command to pray. Not only is there a command, but there is the challenge of intercessory prayer. Notice here what it says in, in verse 1. It says, I exhort, therefore, that, first of all, first of all, not second of all, not third of all, and, and certainly not last. He says, first of all, prayer in the life of every Christian and in the church should be top priority. I go here, I do this, I do this, I do that. I'm serving God. Are you praying? How's your prayer life? Is it, 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 it is the literal life breath of the church. Billy Graham said this. Uh, there are th some of you like him, some of you may not, uh, but he, he was a man that God used. Uh, he said this. Uh, there are three secrets to ministry. Pray, pray, It's important that we're to be a people marked by our worship of God. Worship is important. The reason we sing is not because you like to hear me play the, the guitar or you like to hear Dan sing or me sing. That is not why we come together. It isn't because you all sound like the, the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. It isn't about that. Our worship is about God, and we are to be a people of worship. The, the life of the church, the, the ministry of the church, the, uh, is, 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 is the purpose of the church, uh, yes, uh, it should be marked by evangelism. God tells us to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. 
We are to go and tell the world about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. It is absolutely important that we get out there and tell others about Christ. Not to grow our church and to build our numbers so we have bigger bank accounts and can build bigger buildings. Because there are people that are lost and dying and on their way to hell. And we are the ones who have been given the, the, given the, the, the ministry to go and tell them. We're to be a people that love the word of God. The Bible is supposed to be the center of our life and being here as a church and as individuals. It gives us everything that we need to instruct us, to correct us, to, to reprove us if necessary. Re reproof is when, when we're confronted, right, uh, by our sin. He, he, con he confronts us in our sin. He corrects us. He instructs us in righteousness. That, those verses there in, in Timothy go on to say that, that, that gives us everything that we need to be equipped for godliness to live our lives for God. We are to be people of the word. The Bible says in, uh, in Timothy 3.16, it says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the, 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 the word of truth. We are to study the word of God. We are to love the word of God. Man, it is to be our, our, the, the center of our life. But you can't evangelize without the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't even understand the words of the book without the Spirit. What did David say? Open mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. We're to pray. James Duncan was an evangelist. He preached with great unction and power. He was asked, what was the secret of such powerful preaching? He said, the, th the secret it's 13 hours of consecutive prayer. When D.L. Moody was asked what was the secret of his spiritual power, he says, knee work. Charles Finney, great revivalist, after spending a day, a, a day in the woods in prayer fasting, he, he preached that night uh, to, a, church, to a, a group that was almost completely against God. The wildest, craziest group of people. At the end of that message, he had to stop preaching because the wails, the cries for mercy of the mercy of God were so loud that nobody could hear them. Out of the 500 that were in attendance, 499 made professions of faith that night. It wasn't because he was a great orator. It wasn't because that, that, that he had a good speech. It wasn't because uh, that, 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 that they just decided to turn over a new leaf. He spent hours in prayer, fasting and praying for God to do something. There was a traveling evangelist named John Vassar. He sold Bibles for the Tract Society. It was said of him, he absolutely, by his pastor, he absolutely prayed day and night. He prayed about everything, prayed for almost every, everything, and prayed with almost everybody he met. He prayed when he went out. He prayed when he came in. He prayed for, before every religious service and then prayed all the way through it. His pastor said, this is, I have occupied the same room with him night after night and rarely went to sleep without hearing him in prayer. And I never awoke without finding him in prayer. Prayer is not to be something that is added to our services. Prayer is not to be, it is not there as a lifeline just in case you have trouble. Prayer is the life, the breath, the strength of the church. And God has called us to pray. Notice the content of intercessory prayer. Back in 1 Timothy chapter 2, we, we, we see that he uses four words to describe the essentials that, that, that are, should be the content of our prayers. He says, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplication prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. The word supplication, it, it speaks of our need, our want, uh, uh, this idea of, uh, it's the idea of being without. I need something, I don't have something, I'm going to ask for it. It refers to prayers focused on special needs. In supplication, we are aware of a need in our lives or in the lives of others, and we bring that burden before the Lord. Listen, why do we bring it before the Lord? Because he is the only one that can answer our prayers. 
Isaiah chapter 40, he says, have you not, have you not heard? And in those, in those chapters, it, it, it talks about how he is the creator of all the universe, that he is the only Lord God. Have we not heard, do we not understand that he loves us and he wants to hear us pray? When we, when we have needs in our own lives and we need, see needs in the lives of others, we are to be moved by those needs and to bring them to the throne of grace. Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in, to help in time of need. We, we need to come before that throne and we, we can come with boldness, but we need to come in for help in time of need. Why? Because the government can't fix your problems and Facebook can't fix your problems and for you younger people, Instagram can't fix your problems. Your friends, only God can. The second word is this, prayers, uh, supplication and prayers. This word, uh, it's this idea of, uh, of coming together to worship, to, to spend time at his feet. Uh, in the New Testament, this word is always used in connection to God. It reminds us that God hears and answers prayers and that those, that, that glorifies him. It also reminds us that prayer is always to be offered according to the will of God, which we talked about. We're to seek that which glorifies him and not just, sati not just what satisfies our desires. It's okay to ask for, some, for things. He tells us to do that. Jesus taught the disciples to pray and to ask for things. But we're not to ask for, upon our own lusts. James says that you have not because you ask not. And the, you have not because you ask amiss. Our, our, there, we have sometimes desires for things that we want. And, and I'm not talking necessarily about the physical things, that, that uh, a car, or the, that God will provide those things that we need. And he may even, he, God blessed me with a motorcycle. Amen, brother, thank you. It was not a need. It was not a necessity. But God, in his goodness answered a prayer. A prayer that I said, Lord, I don't need this. If you don't give me this, it's okay. But it sure would be nice. Two days later, God gave me. I don't mean I went out and bought a motorcycle. God gave me a motorcycle for free. God can do that. But that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about, about, about going and praying. Sometimes our, our, the, the requests that, we, that we're asking for isn't about something that physical that we want, maybe the way we want a, a situation to turn out. Lord, do this. Lord, work this thing out. Lord, give me that job. Lord, you'd say we should work. I should, you should give me that job. I prayed that prayer and twice got turned down. But I prayed that prayer, I finished that prayer with, Lord, if this is your will, and if not, I'm okay with it. Verses 2 and 3 of James 4 says, You lust and have not, you kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not, because you ask not, and you ask and receive not, because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lusts. Every time we pray, we're to pray according to the will of God. Even Jesus himself in the Garden of Gethsemane, said, let this cup pass from me, but not my will. Thy will be done. This is very important. Every believer must have time that they spend with the Lord in prayer. You need, and I, I, I'm not, this isn't a suggestion. You need, as much as you need to breathe and to eat, you need to spend time in prayer. God's saying yes. You need it. Because if not, and maybe this is the problem with many of our lives, you'll be spiritually anemic. Ask somebody who struggles with, with, with shortness of breath after COVID. They don't get enough oxygen. How, how easy it is to climb the stairs. My mom, when she got out of the hospital, praise the Lord, uh, she's 
free from the physical therapy after this Tuesday. She, she graduates from the class. She, God healed her, and she's doing great. But there was a time when she'd get up and walk to the bathroom and get shorter breath. And her bathroom was not all that far away. What was it? She wasn't getting the oxygen that she needed. You need prayer. And public prayer is no substitute for that personal, private prayer. It isn't. That doesn't mean we're not to pray publicly. It doesn't mean that we're not to pray corporately. But if you're not praying privately, then you're that Pharisee standing on the corner with his hands raised. And third word that we see is intercessions. It means to, to fall in with others, to ask on others' behalf. Look at with verse, verse 5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and the man and the and men, the man Christ Jesus. We have an intercessor. His name is Jesus. He stands in the gap for you and I. Every single day of your life. If you are saved, the Bible says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren, and Satan comes up just like he did with Job, and he says, what about this guy? Look what he just did. And Jesus says, it is under the blood. It truly, he truly can say, he paid it all. He covered your sin. He intercedes for you on a daily basis. Hebrews 7.25 tells us to boldly go to the throne of grace. We're to intercede on the behalf of others. The, again, the main idea, the, the main purpose of this, this passage is found in verse, verse 3 and 4. Uh, that we're, that for this is good and acceptable in the sight of the, the God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come under the knowledge of the truth. When you pray for someone's salvation, you are interceding on their behalf with the Father. We're to stand in the gap. Uh, 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 Moses stood in the gap for the people of Israel. They, they, had, they had committed great grievance, great sin against God by, by building their own, uh, their own idol to, to worship. And God was angry and said he was going to destroy them. Moses, on that mountain, fell on his face before God and said, just ask God to spare them. In fact, he said, blot my name out of the book of life. Paul said the same thing for the people of Israel in Romans chapter 9 and 10. He says, blot my name out. And what did God do? He says that he repented. Now there was still judgment. 3,000 people died that day. But God did not destroy the people of Israel. What happened? Moses stood in the gap. When you pray for a lost, uh, somebody who is lost, uh, and the Bible says to pray for all men, when you pray for them for their salvation, for the Spirit of God to work, whether they live in this, in this town, in this state, in this country, or whether they live all the way across the ocean in some place you've never been before, when you pray for that lost soul, you're praying, you're standing in the gap. You're asking God, Lord, send me. Lord, send somebody. Lord, send, send somebody to the middle of nowhere. I need to hear the gospel. Not only to pray for the lost, we're to pray for our fellow believers. <laughs> we are to pray for one another. Every once in a while, people, somebody will put a put a, a meme on up on Facebook. I, I really like it. It says it, it asks everybody to pray for the pastor. I appreciate your prayers. I do. There, there have been a few people that I have specifically gone to over the years and asked to pray. Uh, the first one was Una Tracy, Una and Dwayne Tracy. Shortly after I, I surrendered to the ministry, they were still here. Uh, Dwayne, Dwayne, with his oxygen tank and his and his and his uh, little scooter for his leg, uh, uh, they would come. And then Una, the sweet, sweet little Una, uh, they would come. And they always sat back in that area over there. And, and one day, uh, my wife and I and Elijah, he was just a baby. Uh, he was this tall, now he's this tall. Uh, he was just a baby. We went over there, and I, I had surrendered to, the, the surrendered to preach. I talked to Pastor Williams. I went to their house, and, and I said, I have a, a request to ask for you. 
will you keep me in prayer? That God would use me. And that day we bowed our heads, we uh, put our hands in, uh, and, and they, they both prayed that God would take, watch over me and lead, me, lead our family and guide us in the ministry that God has called us to. And Una, for, until the day she died, prayed for me every single day. Gloria prayed for me every single day. I am so thankful for those that pray and intercede on my behalf. Because guess, guess what? Just like Satan tempts you, he tempts me too. And just like you get tired, I get tired too. Just like, just like you, you have your, your, your weaknesses, I have my weaknesses too. And Satan knows those weaknesses and he will target those things. But, but we are strong in the Lord Jesus Christ, are we not? We are renewed inwardly day by day regardless of what's going on outwardly. But we're told to pray for one another. Paul said, praying always for you all. He talked to the church. He asked them to pray for him, that God would give them, open up the doors that he could go and preach the gospel and ask them to pray for boldness that he could stand and preach. Paul said that. The man who, who wrote churches and confronted churches, the man who, who was stoned to death and got up and went back into town and preached to, not stoned to death, but, but looked like he was stoned to death. They, they left him for dead. They thought he was dead. They thought they had done their work. Satan thought he had done their work that day. Guess what? He got up. He wasn't resurrected. He got up. And he went back in. You know how Paul could do that? Because there were a group of Christians that were praying for him. The churches were praying for him. The apostles were praying for him. Y'all going through different temptations and trials in your lives. Every single one of you. Sometimes it's family. Sometimes it's sometimes it's financial. Sometimes it's it's health. Sometimes it's work. Uh, there there are so many diverse temptations that that we can go through, and we're all going through them. It's that's life. But we all need prayer, and we're to pray for one another. Jay Sidlow says, the men may spurn, sorry, Jay Sidlow Baxter said, men may spurn our, our appeals and reject our message, oppose our arguments, despise our persons, but they are helpless against our prayers. Our prayers of intercession allow us to go where nobody can stop you. Who needs the power of intercessory prayer in their life today? Who needs you to pray for them today? Not pray for yourself. Job could have, could have and did pray for himself. What he needed was to pray for somebody else. Remember, verse 10. Those things returned. His captivity was turned when he prayed for somebody else. Do, you, do your friends need your prayers? Your family? Husbands? Do your wives need your prayer? Wives, do your husbands need your prayer? Parents, do your kids need your prayer? Grandparents, your, your grandchildren? Yes, 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 yes. They all need your prayer. Your neighbors, do they need your prayer? Especially if they're lost, they need your prayer. Do, 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 do your, your coworkers, do they need your prayer? Do the, 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 the people that you see in the supermarket need your prayer? Yes. Yes and yes again. Do our missionaries need your prayers? Absolutely. Yes. So why do we so often not intercede on their behalf? I think we do it just for the same reason that Job didn't do it. We're caught up with our own problems. For 41 chapters... Job prayed about his own needs. And there's nothing wrong about praying for your own needs. We should pray for our own needs. But in chapter 2, or 42, he prayed for the needs of others. He prayed for his friends. Now, they call him friends. God calls them friends. I don't know how good of friends they really were. Remember what they did. They accused him of uh, the, the reason his life had gone so bad and all those things that happened to him. It was ju the judgment of God because he was a hypocrite. Those are real friends. <laughs> but he prayed for them. 
Don't get so caught up in praying for your own needs that you forget about the needs of others. It is a ministry that is absolutely necessary. And honestly, as a child of God, how can we not pray for others? John 13, 13, 34, and 35 says this, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall a man know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love for one another. If you are a disciple, a child of God, you are to be known for your love for one another. A loving heart, one who loves his brethren, is one who prays for them. And the truth is, the more you pray for somebody, the more you love them. William Law said this, there is nothing that makes, a, makes us love a man so much as to pray for him. The last one is this, giving, giving of thanks. Uh, the truth is, no, no prayer is complete unless we spend time in thanks to God. One, even if he hasn't answered our prayers, we're to have faith that he has answered our prayers. Uh, Brother Arnie is a wonderful example of this. Many times, uh, Brother Troy and I would go and visit him, and every time we did, he said, please pray that I can come back to church. And we would pray, and then he would pray. And every time he prayed, the first, the, first, the first part of the prayer would be in tears, asking God to just allow him to come and to worship him again with, with this group of people right here. But he would always end praising God for how he was going to answer that prayer. And not, not an obligatory, sometimes we, we say thank you because we have to, right? You ever do that? Thanks. You get that gift that you didn't really want, like thank you so much. That's not how he would do it. Those tears of sorrow would turn to tears of joy as he praised God and thanked him for being so good and merciful to allow him to come back to church. It was two years of him praying like that. By the way, he's not here today. He fell this morning and is in the hospital. And I'm sure his heart is hard. Not hard. His heart is sorrowful because he's not here. Because he spends his week looking forward to coming here. He needs our prayers. When we pray and thank God for answering our prayers, it is the very essence of faith. When you thank God for giving you the answer to the prayer that you are now praying, remember, he hears, he answers, even while you speak. He's, it's already all in motion. And, but while we don't, it's, it's the very essence of faith. God, thank you for what you've done or what you're doing in this situation. Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us that, 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 that faith, that it's a very, it's, ugh. I'm just going to just read it because that way I don't misquote it because I'm just about to. I'm trying to do faith as a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. There we go. I'm trying to quote verse 6. Have you ever stopped to think that the thanksgiving is the only part of prayer that's going to continue on in heaven? All of our needs will be met. There'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more grieving. But we'll be praising and thanking God for all he did. There'll be no more lost people that need to be saved. There'll be no no more burdens, no more problems, no more sickness, no more death. Lastly, we'll look at the comprehensiveness of our intercessory prayer. It refers to the scope of our praying, and we've already touched on it, so it won't take long. We should pray for our family. We should pray for our friends. We should pray for, our, for the believers, for the lost, for, for those in ministry. And pray for one another, for the leaders of our church. Pray for, for, pray for everybody, all times, in all places, for all needs, Ephesians chapter 6. Notice what it says here, for all men, verse 1. Be made for all men. It goes also into verse 2, for kings and for all that are in authority. You may not like who's sitting in the Oval Office, and you may not have liked who was sitting in the Oval Office before him, but you're supposed to pray for him. You may not like who's sitting uh, as a representative or a congressperson, uh, whether it's federal or state, but you're to pray for him. 
See, the Bible tells us that the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, and, and like a river, it goes any which way he decides. God can move in the heart of even an unregenerate person. can cause them to make good choices, can lead them to do different things, certain things. So we are to pray. Number one, pray for their salvation but also pray for the work of God in their life. Listen, there is going to come a day when every leader in this world is going to rise up against God, and God knows it. He's not going to be caught off surprise, but in the end, his will will be accomplished in that. So we are to pray. When Paul wrote these words, who was in leadership of the country in which he dwelt? This little guy called Nero. <laughs> he was a good politician, but a terrible person. He made it to the, he made it to the, the highest level. Of he was the ruler. What he said went. But he was not easy on Christians. Notice Paul didn't pray about the political things. Not to make, not, again, we're not, not saying we're not to be involved in we're to be good citizens of this world while we're here, but, no, but for the purpose of going to heaven. But we're to pray. We're to pray for our leaders and not blame them for what's going on. This is the message to the church, pray. This is what God would have us to do, to pray. God intervenes in the affairs of men. He can overrule a wicked leader. He can oppress a wicked leader to make godly decisions. He can change their hearts and their minds. In fact, the Bible says that the result of praying for them will be a peaceful life for the church. Verse 2. The kings and all men that are in authority, that we may be, lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. Question. Who needs your prayers today? Have you been praying for those who need those prayers? Are you consistently, daily, uh, entering into this ministry of intercession? Listen, you may not be able to get up in front of anybody, everybody and teach a class. God has gifted certain people for certain things, uh, 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 spiritual gifts to do things. Uh, uh, you may not be able to physically even be, come in and help clean the church. That doesn't mean you can't do anything. We can all, and we are all, to pray. Colossians 4, 12-13, Paul tells us of Epaphras. He says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him record that he hath a great zeal for you, and them that are in Laodicea, and them at Hierapolis. He prayed for the people. He loved them. He labored fervently. That word laboring, it, it, the wrestling over their needs, their spiritual growth, their, 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 need, their needs. F.E. Meyer says this of Epaphras. This is a very beautiful epitaph on a good man's life. Amid all the crowding interests of Epaphras' visit to Rome, his heart was with his friends. He strove for them in prayer. It was no passing thought that he voiced, no light breath breathing of desire, no formal mention of their names. It seemed as though he were a wrestler whose muscles strained as he agonized for the prize. He labored. We shall never know till we stand in the clear light of heaven how much has been wrought in the word by prayer. Here, at least, there is mention of a man's labors, probably the work on the result of which are inclined to, we are inclined to pride ourselves in, do less to us that we suppose, and more to the unrecognized fellow laborers. Let us be careful and mingle much intercession with all our prayers, especially on behalf of Christian workers, that they may realize we are actually working and laboring beside them. Pray. Pray for one another. Pray for the work of God. It's been given to every believer, that ministry. So I would ask you to pray. Now I mentioned at the beginning of this message that there's a new ministry here in our church. It's a ministry of intercession. We have a small group of people that have 
have accepted and are willing to pray for the needs of others. On our website, our church website, there is a, a form that people can send in. They give us their names. They can do it anonymously. But they can send those things, their, their prayer requests in so that we can pray. That does, us two, th- that does two things. One, uh, uh, we can pray for their need. If they're lost, we can pray for their soul. See, we, we can pray generally for those that are lost, but it's a whole lot better for us to pray for those that we know. Now, people can go to our website and find that page, but we have another way for them to get there. We have here a little card. It's on the front, it says Fellowship Baptist Church. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face continually. It has our address and phone number on it. On the back, it says, How can we pray for you? Send us your prayers and requests, and our prayer team will pray for you. There's, there's a, the website, and then there's this little QR code for you young people. You know what that is for you old people. You take your, your, your smartphones, if you have one, and you, you hold your camera on it, and it will, it will put up a link, and you tap it, and it takes them directly to that page, and they can submit a request. And they look really good, but they don't do any good sitting on my desk. So part of the ministry is fulfilled when people pass those out. So, in a moment, we're going to pray, and God's spoken to your heart. Pray. At the end of the service, these are going to be by the back door. I'll take them back there after the service. While we're praying, grab some and go give them out so that we can reach this town for Christ. Satan's had it long enough. Let's let's ask for God's help in reaching the lost. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for this this call to pray, Lord. It isn't really about us so much as, as it is about us relying upon you. God, I pray that you would have your way in our hearts. I pray, God, that you would strengthen us and guide us, Lord, and draw us to you. Give us a hunger to pray, a need to pray. Lord, I I ask that your spirit would just have have your way with us. Lord, you know our hearts and our needs. We ask this in Jesus' name I pray.